This is Way Family Church, and you're listening to our sermon podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030. We meet at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. For more information about who we are, upcoming events, or if you'd like to connect, visit us online at www.wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready, and let's begin. Excited to be here. My name's Ben. And um, I'm going to be um, here this week, here next week. You don't even know who I am. So I'll just tell you real quick about myself. I'm Ben Barfield. Um, I work for Send Network. Send Network is, or some of you may know it, is the North American Mission Board. And we work to help plant churches all over the country. And you all are part of Send Network. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I don't know if Brandon's ever talked about, but you're part of Sin Network. And what I do for Sin Network is I go all over the country and I lead a team who plant, um, who, ha- who help um, assess church starters, church planters. And so a few years back, we were able to assess Brandon and Sandy. So um, that's how I, I know you guys, plus I'm part of the sending church that, that you guys have, Common Ground Church. And so I'm excited to be here because I don't, I, I'm, I don't get to be as much um, in the church with, with the church plants as much anymore because I'm having to travel around and lead this team. So I'm excited to be here. You guys excited? Yes. Listen, after that last song, you should be excited. I mean, think of that, that song. I mean, it's easy to be reverent and to be excited about God, his, hold him in high regard when things are good. Super easy. I mean, that song is about victory, Right? It's, it's like he, has, he brings help to the broken, right? And great, he's given us breath in our lungs, and we have victory in Christ, and so we can hold, hold him in high regard. We can honor him. We can say, holy, holy, holy. But then there are times when that doesn't feel like it, when we don't feel like doing that, right? When we feel like everything around us is falling apart, everything is a mess, um, the world is shaken, and it's hard in that, mo- in that moment to say, holy, holy, holy. It's hard in those moments to get on our knees and say, I trust you, God. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. But today, I want to take a look at, at, a, at a story in the Bible, a scripture in the Bible that talks about this, and, and is exactly this. It, this. This group of people who held God in such high regard that in the worst moments, of their lives, they turn to him. So we're going to do that. But first, I want, I want to read to you um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29, because to me, this is what um, reverence, one of your four values, reverence, you guys know what it is? Reverence, truth, family, and service, right? The next four weeks, we're going to be, I'm going to be talking about reverence and truth, and then a guy named Monty Patton's going to come in and talk to you about, about family, and then David... David Taylor, your, your Sydney church pastor, is going to come in and talk to you about service. But, but reverence, I want to talk to you about this, what reverence is today and how to practice it in difficult times. So, I mean, you did a great job of describing what reverence is. High regard, holy, 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 putting God in his place. You know, the way I think, and, and even fear, reverence involves fear as well. You know, we oftentimes in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we translate different words to mean rever- you know, into English reverence, sometimes we translate them as fear, to fear God. 
You know, and I don't think it means a shake, I'm scared, God, but um, it means this, a reverential awe. How, how many of you have been to Grand Canyon? Everybody been to Grand, Grand Canyon? You know how the closer you get to the edge, you start to get this, I mean, because it's massive, right? And if you're like 20, 30, 40 feet away, it's, it's cool and it's scary, but every step closer you take, it's like, ooh, this thing is bigger than me. I'm in control. Now, I have this feeling about the ocean. Some, some of you don't. Some of you see the ocean and you run towards it and get in it, but not me. Especially at night. Think about this. At night at the ocean, you can smell it. You can taste it. You can hear it. And right at the edge, you can maybe see it. And you know it's there. But you really can't see it. You really can't experience it, but you know it's there. That is what we call like awe, right? Like, oh, that's a big, 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 big ocean, right? It's, 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 waves could kill me. It can engulf me. If I take too many steps out into it, I'm going to lose control. That's what reverential awe is. This high regard for something, almost fear that something is awesome. That's what it means to, to have reverence for God. So I want to read to you the scripture. And, and what this is talking about is that the earth and the heavens around us are going to shake. They're going to be shaken. But here's what this scripture says. There's a day coming when everything around us is going to be shaken. But in verse 28, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom, the kingdom of God, that cannot be shaken. Listen, presidents may fall. You may not like who the president is. You may not like who the president's going to be. You may not like anything around us. I mean, your families are falling apart. Your job's falling apart. Our country's falling apart. We're in war all over the world. But our kingdom cannot be shaken. That's cool stuff, man. Our kingdom cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And check this last piece out. For our God is a consuming fire. If you reference back to Isaiah chapter 6, where, where, where the coals touch the lips, God is a consuming fire. He is a fire that cannot be quenched. He, he, may, he is holy. And even though everything around us is a mess, our kingdom cannot be shaken, so we must worship. And we must give God his due and trust him and with, with reverence and awe, follow him. And so I want to talk about a story today in the Bible. I want to read to you a story in the Bible. I'm, I'm a big story guy. You got, by the way, anybody who thinks the Bible's boring is crazy. There are some crazy stories in the Bible. Like when Paul was preaching, you guys know this story? Paul was preaching one night, and he, and he was preaching so long it got to be about midnight, and the dude falls out the window and dies. So Paul goes out and lays on him, and the dude comes back to life. That's crazy. I mean, that's a pretty cool story, right? I mean, you got David and Goliath. You got all these different stories in the Bible. It's, it's really good stuff. And so I want to read one of those stories because this story right here is beautiful, man. And it's a picture of what we do in a time where everything's falling apart and how we still treat God with reverence. And we still trust him. And, we, and even when we don't know how to, how to trust him, we do. So, so let, me, let me tell you this. If you turn to Acts chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. And let me, let me just say, we're, I'll, I'll, we're going to read the whole thing. Because the whole thing, you need to hear the whole thing. And then we'll pause and we'll go back and we'll, and we'll talk through some of it. I may pause along the way because I get excited. Sorry. 
It is what it is. I, I said, Brandon, do I need to chill out for, the, for, for these guys? Do I need to be cool and, and calm? And he goes, man, I talk with my hands. I said, well, I talk with my whole body. So here we go. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 16 says this. About that time, Herod the king, listen to this, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Now, up to this point, the church had had a pretty good run. I mean, I mean yeah, there's the whole thing with Stephen being stoned and killed, but I mean, the church had been on a pretty good run. Jesus had been crucified, but then he rose from the dead, and he walked on earth with him, and, and the disciples saw him ascend into heaven, right? And, and then they had a day when all these, all thousands and thousands and thousands of people came, and people talked crazy languages, and it's because the Holy Spirit came down. They've been having a good run, but, but Herod, the king, who is, grand, is a grandson of Herod the Great, who killed all the babies when Jesus was born. This is his grandson, right? He has decided that he's going to lay violent hands on some who belong to the church. So he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, this is a big deal. James, the brother of John. This is the th sons of thunder, James and John, right? These are, it's James, John, and Peter are the three Guys with Jesus, right? I mean, they're his three best friends. This is one of the three, the sons of thunder, and Herod has just killed him. The pillar of the, one of the pillars of the church. Herod, they hadn't had this happen yet. And now he's dead. And when, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. This was during the days of the unleavened bread, and when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending, now check this out, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. That means he's going to kill Peter too. James is dead. Peter, one of the three, is in prison and is going to be killed. So, Peter was kept in prison. So what, the, what does the church do? But earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. Earnest prayer. That's what they did. You know, in our culture sometimes um, something happens, a tragedy happens, or something happens, and people say, I'm going to pray, and there are those out there that say, prayer is not enough. Listen, prayer is the most powerful tool we have as Christians. We have access to the God of the universe who we hold in high regard, who gives us our very breath. Earnest prayer to him is the best tool that we have in times of trouble. So I, I, want, you to, I want you to see this. This word earnest, it, it's translated from this Greek word called et, et, ektenos, ektenos. And it means earnest, persistent, without ceasing, never stopping. It's, the word picture here is a, is a um, guy flexing his muscles. Like flexing them to the point where, you know how when you, obviously I work out, right? <laughs> obviously. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Maybe not today. But in the past I have worked out, believe it or not. And most of you have. And you know how the day after you work out, you, just, you can't even like stand barely, you know, and or your, your arms are just throbbing. And it's because you've worked 
your arms, your muscles to the limit. You've flexed them to the limit, and you've actually torn them, and then they build back stronger. That's what happens, right? That's at Kenos. That's the kind of prayer we need to do. We stretch so far that we're sore, right? So they prayed earnest prayer to God. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, so the next day, the next day they're going to put they're going to kill Peter, right? The next day. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. It's a crazy story. You guys ready for this? This is a really cool story. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. You talk about freak Peter out, right? He's standing here in all these chains, all these guards, and all of a sudden there's this dude standing next to him, an angel. An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And struck Peter, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Wake up! Get up quickly! And the chains fell off on his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap, of course he did, right? And he said, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And when he went out and followed him, he did not, he did not know that he was. What, what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was having a vision, or he thought he was having a dream. When, he, when, he had, when they had passed the first and second guard, so obviously the guards can't see what's going on. This angel shows up, his chains fall off, he says, get dressed, let's go, and they start going out, and he thinks he's, he's dreaming, but when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to, to the iron gate leading into, onto the city. It opened up for them of its own accord. The gate opens, and they went out, and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So Peter, is one minute he's asleep in his cell, going to die the next day. The next minute he's out in the street. An angel had taken him out into the street, and he's all clothed, ready to go. Right? It's a cool story. When Peter came to himself, yeah, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that Jewish people that were, were, what people were expecting. So when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was John Mark. So this is John Mark, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. This is them praying. The church is gone to John Mark's house to pray. And so he shows up there. This is like a prayer meeting I would be at, probably you too, right? And when he knocked on the door, he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. What are they there doing? They're praying that Peter is going to be delivered from prison because he's going to be killed tomorrow. You got it. You're crazy, Rhoda. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's, an, it's his angel. But Peter kept knocking, continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and guess what? They were amazed. I love that story, man. They are praying earnestly, stretching without ceasing as a group in a house for Peter. He shows up, and they don't believe it. Sounds like us, right? Is God really going to do anything? I don't know, man. So, here, so how do we pray 
earnest prayers. That's what I'm going to talk about today. When, when things are a mess and, and, and it feels like the earth is shaken, how do we reverently, with high regard, continue on? The answer is to pray earnestly. Part of reverence is to pray earnestly. We trust God. We believe in him. We worship him. We give him high regard. Prayer, here's the thing. Number one, the first thing I want us to real, if you're going to write this down, write this down. This is great. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I want, you, I want us to say. When people say, I'm praying for you, you say, thank you. Because prayer is the work. The Bible says, Acts 12, 5, it says this. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. They were stretching. They were flexing. They weren't, they weren't stopping. It was continuous. My, my boss, Vance Pittman, who is the, the um, president of Sin Network, this is one thing he said as he planted his church in Hope, in Hope Church in Las Vegas years ago. In Las Vegas, right? Years ago in Las Vegas, he said this. We don't pray before we work. You know, because that's what we do at the church, right? We, we, get, we gather together and say, hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray before the work. No, we don't do that. Prayer is the work, and then God works. We don't pray before we work. Prayer is the work. It's our part. And then God works. So prayer is the work is the first thing. The second thing is this. In desperate times, prayer is the only work. Sometimes we feel like there's so much, we gotta do so much. We gotta, we gotta go do this, we gotta go do that. How do we help? Sometimes all we can do is pray. The Bible says here, it says that when, in, in verse 12, it says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where he where many gathered together and were praying. So here's the thing. Peter, Peter gets out, and you know what? He says, I gotta find the church. I gotta find some of these people in the church, right? That's, that's what he's gotta do. And so what does he do? He knows. I mean, it's not, like they, it's not like today where you can call people and you can have that sit down in front of a screen. I mean, they hadn't had any contact with Peter. But he knows where they're at. He knows what they're doing because they've done it before. They've been in these desperate times before and what they do is they get together and they pray. This morning, a, 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 a lady came up to, us, to me this morning and she said, hey, I need you to pray. Listen, don't take that lightly. That's a big deal. When there is trouble, when, there's, when, there's, when the world is shaken, get on your knees, man, and bring other people around you and pray. It's the only thing we can do. Prayer is the work. Second Samuel, you guys can look up the story later on. Um, it's, a great, it's a great passage. Second Samuel 12, 16 through 24. Second Samuel 12, 16 through 24. I'm not going to read it to you now. I'm just going to tell you the story. David's son is dying. His baby, his infant son, is dying. It's a son uh, that he had out of sin with Bathsheba, and it's dying, and, and he's, he's, he's praying, and he's, he, he does this. He rips his clothes, and he sits in ashes, and he doesn't eat for a week, and he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying, and his baby dies. So what happens is his, his trusted advisors around him see, see him, and they go, oh, my goodness. If he acted like that when the baby was, was dying... What's he going to act like now? And so they don't, like, don't tell him right away. But he sees them talking, and he sees them, and he goes, oh, my baby must have died. So he gets up and says, has my baby died? And they say, yes. And he says, okay. He cleans up. 
He washes himself. He takes a shower. He goes to get eat, and then he goes straight to the place to worship. Because what he says is, while my baby was, di- was dying, all I could do was pray. But now, blessed be the Lord. Right? That, that's, that's, that's what it means to pray and, and, and show reverence to God. Prayer is the only work. It's the only thing we can do. In verse 12, it says, when he realized that, again, when he went to the house of Mary, the mother whose, um, whose other name was Mark, they were gathered together and we're praying. So here's the thing. We got, the, th- the third thing is we got to pray together. The one thing that we, we do, and by the way, I'm not going to point out who it was, but I love that somebody came and said, they don't even know me. Can you pray for this? We need to pray together. What we normally do is we um, isolate ourselves. We get in a room and we pray and we beg God. But, there, but there's something about coming together. There's something about you know, having other people that are praying with you that when that, when that happens, you, you, there's a little more faith that can be gathered. I remember a few years ago, it was Super Bowl Sunday. It was before when I was still the pastor at Common Ground Church years and years ago. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I was at a youth group event. And um, all of a sudden we get a phone call that one of the three-year-old kids at our church had, had fallen in a pool, had been in a pool for like 10 minutes, face down. And had drowned. And they took this kid and they rushed him to the hospital, obviously, right? And um, a few of us, my wife, this is my wife, Jill, by the way. Everybody say hello. A few of us got in a car and we ran down to the the hospital and we began to pray. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And you know what we did? We did what we always did. We gathered at the lake in Sarita. And we gathered a bunch of people together and we prayed. And we prayed for this boy for three, four, five, six, seven, eight days. And the doctors were saying, this kid was out too long. He's, when he, if he does ever come off this oxygen, ah, I remember this. If he does ever come off this oxygen, it's not going to be good. And, and we were praying and praying and praying and praying. And it was like a week out. And the doctor said, okay, tomorrow morning we're going to have to pull him off the oxygen and we'll see what happens. And we were praying and praying. And when I say we, it was a bunch of us. And I have this picture of five of us in the hospital waiting room, all huddled together with our arms around it, five men praying for this boy who they're extubating. And they extubate him. He breathes on his own. A week later, he goes home, never even having to go to rehab. Listen, prayer is the work, and we need to pray together. We need to pray together. So I love that the name of this church is Way Family Church. And by the way, this morning, I saw family. I don't know. I just kind of observed a little bit. I don't know if you all know each other, but there were several times I saw people walking up to each other and saying, hey, how are you doing? Hugging each other, talking about difficult things. I saw that. I heard it. I'm sorry if you thought, thought I was eavesdropping. I was maybe a little bit because I just kind of wanted to see what was going on. But you got to pray together. We got to pray together. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 2, carry each, other, each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's something about praying together. So prayer is the work. It's the only work. We pray together. And then number four, the work, earnest, persistent, desperate prayer shouldn't even stop in our unbelief. We don't stop. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Did I believe when they pulled that two by that boy? 
everything was going to be okay when we were praying? Partly. But I've seen too many times when they do something like that, it doesn't work out. David's son still passed away. There are times when it doesn't work out the way we want, but we have to trust God and we have to put high regard in God and trust him in difficult times. And even in our unbelief, we have earnest, persistent, desperate prayer. And and it says in verse 13 to 15, and when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice and her joy. She did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Think about it. Rhoda comes in, they hear, hey, Rhoda, go get the door, man. We're trying to pray. Peter's in jail. It's important that we pray. Rhoda, go get the door. We need to pray. We're praying right now. Oh, guys, it's, it, it's Peter. Don't be silly. We're trying to pray for Peter right now. Leave us alone. Somebody get the door. It's Peter. They didn't really believe it. Yet they persistently earnestly, without ceasing, continued to pray. You say, Ben, I'm not sure what you're saying is biblically. You know, I've, heard, I've heard people say before, you have to, you have to believe. And if, and, if, and if you don't believe, then, then, then it can't happen. That's not faith. Well, there was a time when Jesus was confronted with a man whose daughter was dying. Her, his daughter was dead. And, and he shows up before Jesus, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, this is, this is what it says. And Jesus said to him, if, I, if you can, all things are possible. So he's, he, the guy's talking to him. He's got his kid, right? If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. And here's what he said. I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus says, oh, never mind then. Never mind. I'm not doing anything. Is that what he did? No. It says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running, came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of, her, of him and never enter him again. Heal the kid. I believe, help my unbelief. Faith and doubt don't cancel each other out. You can have faith and still have doubts at the same time. God is to be held in high regard. We need to put our trust in him fully. Worship him no matter what. No matter what. Pray earnestly. And trust him, even when we're not sure. A few years ago, um, I was sitting in my living room. Band, if you want to come up, you can come up and, and as I tell the story. Um, a few years ago, I was sitting in my, in my living room, and I, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and I get a phone call from a guy named Tim, and Tim is the brother-in-law of our children's minister at the time. Her name's Jamie. She, he's the brother-in-law. And he calls, and Jill and I are sitting there watching TV, you know, watching the news. The news had just come on. And um, he calls and says, hey, Ben, I got a weird question. Um, Jamie and, and the family were on the way to, 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 to see us, and 
we're on the phone with them, and, and they're driving, and I hear the scream, and then the phone goes dead. Can you check and see if anything's going on? Do you know anything? Can you see anything? I mean, do you know anything? What's going on? And right about then, something comes on the news about a family in Marana who had run off the road in their minivan, and there was fatality, and it was not going to be good. And I asked him, how long ago did they leave? And he said about 30, 45 minutes ago, from Sarita to Marana. And I knew right then what was going on. And so we, 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 we jump in the car, we get in, we go to the hospital. We, I'm there with her, holding her hand as they told her her little baby, um, her little 12-year-old girl Tanner had passed away. I'm holding her hand in the hospital. That's what happened. Her husband, we saw him that night and he was covered up. He, he wasn't dead, but he, it, he looked so bad. That my, the buddy, my, my co-pastor that was with me said to the nurses, cover him up. They didn't, his face wasn't covered up. They said, cover him up. He's not, he's not alive. He was alive, but he had to have brain surgery. He had, had all kinds of problems. Their son was in a coma. Their other daughter had had some, some, some not too bad injuries, but it was bad. So she, at that point, could have lost her husband and her son still. A week later, we meet at the high school for a memorial service um, for, this t- for Tanner. The whole town's there. There's like a thousand plus people there. And um, the principal's there, the, the, the assistant principal, the superintendent, we do a full-on worship service, and Jamie sitting in the front row. Her husband's still um, in bad, bad shape. Her son's still in a coma, and she's sitting in the front row. And that woman greeted and talked to everybody. And I heard her say over and over and over again, I don't know what God's doing, but I trust him. I don't know what God's doing, but I trust him. Basically, what she was saying is, I believe, but help my unbelief. And she continued to show reverence and honor to her king of, her king of kings, her lord of lords, and, and, her, and the holy one in front of all those people. Thirteen people gave their life to Christ that day including the assistant principal of that school. It was crazy. God works in difficult situations. We got to trust him, even when we don't believe, when we fully don't believe. I believe, help my unbelief. I still trust you. I hold you in high regard. That's reverence. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Because this world is so messed up and sin has entered and and because of that, we have disease, death, hate, pain, addiction. All of that is because of sin. But your son, you sent your only son to this earth to die for my sins and for all of our sins so that we could be reconciled to you and that one day every tear will dry up. There'll be no more pain. And that day's coming soon because our kingdom, your kingdom is unshakable. The earth may be shaking, but we trust in you. We hold you in high regard. 
because your kingdom is unshakable. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.